We are actuaries. In a world filled with unpredictability, we use our math skills to navigate uncertainty. Actuaries make a difference in people's lives across industries and the world. Actuaries have the freedom to work anywhere. And according to U.S. News & World Report, we're the 25th top paying career. Make an impact as a fact seeker and a truth teller. Use your math skills for good as an actuary. The world needs you. Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Addiction Treatments That Work. I'm your host, Kenneth Anderson, and tonight our guest will be Dr. Robert Myers, who is the author of Get Your Loved Ones Sober, Alternatives to Pleading, Nagging, and Threatening. And our second guest tonight will be Craig Whaley, who is the Executive Director of LifeRing. And before we start the show, I'm going to do a little plug for our book and for our website and our organization. Our organization is the Hands Harm Reduction Network. We are a free of charge lay-led support group for anyone who wants to make a positive change in their drinking habits from safer drinking to reduced drinking to quitting altogether. Our website is hamsnetwork.org. Our book is called How to Change Your Drinking, A Harm Reduction Guide to Alcohol. It's available on on Amazon, it's also available if you go to our website, hamsnetwork.org slash book. Our first guest tonight is Dr. Robert Myers, the author of Get Your Loved Ones Sober. This is the craft approach to uh, dealing with uh, alcohol problems with your loved one. It's a little different from uh, the Al-Anon approach. Um, I'm not seeing uh, Dr. Myers calling in. I'm going to try dialing out to him right now and see if we can get him. I'm dialing out right now. And We're waiting for the uh, phone to be answered right now. It's ringing. to work. I'm going to talk to you a little bit about Kraft while we're waiting for Dr. Myers to call in. Kraft is an alternative to the Al-Anon program, and Kraft is uh, different than just saying uh, that you are powerless over your uh, loved one's drinking and that you can't do anything about it. Kraft gives you some options for actually talking to your loved one, and it's not like an intervention, the typical intervention, where which we see on television programs, where um, you know you get your, all the loved ones gathered together in the room, and they basically attack the loved one and tell the loved one that they will cut the loved one off unless the loved one goes into treatment. This is actually not a very effective approach, in spite of the hype that it gets on television. Um, what we see 
is uh, uh, what we see is this has about a 36% success rate. The craft approach has a much higher success rate. It's about a 60% success rate. And this is actually dealing with your loved one in a motivational, motivational interviewing type of approach. And this type of approach um, is one where you actually deal with your loved one and you talk to your loved one about reasons why your loved one likes to use alcohol or drink or use drugs and also what are the upsides and what are the downsides. And you try to bring out, you know, some of the uh, upsides and downsides and, you know, elicit actually from your loved one what they like and what they don't like about drinking alcohol. Um, for example, I mean, if once these loved ones start saying, you know, I like to drink because it helps me to relax, I like to drink because, you know, it's I've had a long day at work, I need, uh, you know, downtime from work, and you can say, well, is there anything you don't like about alcohol? And your loved one is very likely to come forward and say, well, yeah, there are some things that, about alcohol that aren't good that I've had problems with. And, you know, for example, I got that DUI last month, and it's going to cost me a fortune, and it's giving me a lot of problems. And I'm not, you know, there are downsides to alcohol. I really do want to make some changes in my drinking. And once, you know, you get your loved one to try to, you know, to decide they want to make some changes, then you can keep talking to them. And, you know, when the changes come from within the person themselves, they are far more likely to be motivated to follow through on the changes. You know, when you do the opposite, when you argue with people and say, this is the way you need to change, you need to act this way or else, you know, the more reasons that you can give with arguing with people why they need to change, the more they will argue back the opposite side and the more they will strengthen their opposition, opposition to change. So eliciting motivations from the person themselves for changing is a far more successful way of getting people to change than to try to argue rationally, which actually just has the opposite effect. It's like every action has an equal and opposite reaction. That's something that we say often in the HAMS group when we're talking about this issue. I'm going to try and dial out once again and see um, if I can get an answer Okay, we're dialing out again. You must please dial a one or a zero and the area code when calling this number. Please hang up and try your call again. You must first dial a one or a zero and the area code when calling this number. Hello? Please hang up and try your call again. You must first dial a 1 or a 0 and the area code when calling this number. Please hang up and try your call again. Hello? Please hang up and try... Hello? I don't seem to be getting Bob coming in here. Um. Please hang up and try your call again. You must... So the CRAFT approach is, is once again, the letters CRAFT stand for Community Reinforcement and Family Training. And uh, this approach, well, I'm going to look a little bit in the book here that I have with me. It starts by 
talking about uh, one thing that's very important in the craft approach is to play it safe. And this fits in very good with our harm reduction approach to doing things. Um, because, you know, if, you, if your loved one likes to drink and drive, uh, you need to keep yourself and your family safe. So uh, you should, you know, if your loved one uh, invites you or your children to get into the car with him when he's intoxicated, you need to say no um, and you know, refuse to arrive with your loved one when he is intoxicated. You need to make plans ahead of time, always for your own safety, for the safety of your children. Uh, you need to plan your transportation if that's something that you're dependent on your loved one for. Um, other things, if you're dependent on your loved one for your income, if he's your sole source of income, sometimes you need to start planning for a different source of income, you know, because you may need to be independent of your loved one. Uh, so you might need to get a job and, you know, and find some way to have an independent source of income. There are many ways that you need to protect yourself. If uh, your loved one is abusive when your loved one gets intoxicated or uses drugs, then you need to find, you know, a safe shelter to go to where you can go to and not have to deal with, you know, possible threats of violence to yourself or your children. So disengaging when uh, your uh, loved one engages in bad behavior and disapproved of is an important part of the craft approach. And another part is, you know, when uh, your loved one shows improve behaviors, behaviors which, uh, you know, that you are looking for, then it is very important for you to reward your loved one for the improvements and, you know, and not always just demand perfection, you know. If you say, you know, you have to absolutely be absent, you know, if your loved one has even one absence day or if they cut down on their drinking or if they're safer or if they make positive changes, you need to reward the positive changes that your loved one makes. And um, one thing in the book, it talks about picking a destination. This is in uh, our harm reduction approach. We talk about choosing a goal. And we talk about people can have goals of safer drinking or reduced drinking or quitting altogether. And not everyone is going to quit immediately. So um, if, uh, if your loved one does choose a goal of quitting completely, then that's just great, you know. And that's a very nice and clear-cut goal. This isn't always the way it works, sometimes your loved one just might say, well, I want to cut down. I want to control it more. Well, you know, working at controlling is better than not working at controlling. Your loved one might just want to say, well, I don't want to change the amount I want to drink, but I want to be a safer drinker. I don't want to drink and drive. I don't want to endanger my family. I don't want to endanger myself or others. And you know, if your loved one chooses to go this path, this is also an important path to be pursued. So um, you should... Uh, you know, encourage your loved one to to pursue any positive change. And the craft approach does encourage this. And uh, also, it's important, there's a chapter called Let the Good Times Roll. It means it's important that there are, to have fun without alcohol. There are fun things that uh, you and your spouse can do with alcohol. And you need to sit around and you need to actually think of some fun things that you can do without alcohol, you know, because alcohol, uh, um, there, there are many fun things that people do without alcohol. I like to do the New York Times crossword puzzle. You can go to movies together. You can go to dinner together. You don't have to get drinks with your dinner. Um, there are many ways to uh, 
have good times without alcohol. There's another chapter. It's called uh, Disable the Enabling. Now, you have to be very careful to distinguish between behavior that is enabling of a bad habit and, you know, just uh, behaviors that are going to actually cause more harm to yourself, to your loved one, to your family. You know, if you say, you know, well, I'm not going to call in for work. I'll call in sick for you to work anymore when you're hungover and too drunk to go to work. Well, that might actually be bad if uh, your loved one gets fired, if you no longer have a source of income. You know, this is not so much enabling as protecting yourself and your loved one. These are important things that you have to do. You have to distinguish what is enabling. You know, what your loved one, on the other hand, says, well, I spent all my money on booze, and I need, you know, you to give me another $40 so I can go out and buy booze. Well, that is enabling. I mean, there's a line. And the more typical Al-Anon type of approach just says anything that you do to help your loved one is enabling. You can't do anything to help your loved one. And uh, this, uh, this does not seem to be the appropriate way to do things. Um, more of the craft approach is... Uh, Problem solving, get together with your spouse, with your loved one, and uh, talk about problems that you are having in your life together and find some solutions to these problems. When you start finding solutions to the problems, you know, that you might have problems with depression, social anxiety, you might have problems with finances, with many, with uh, sexual areas of your relationship. In relationship or in your life, it can lead people to drink, and it is important to work on these outside issues, resolve these problems, financial issues, sexual issues, whatever the issues they may be, psychological issues, you know, emotional health issues. Work and uh, work on resolving these issues, and you know, when things get better, that there is less motivation for your loved one to drink, and the less motivation there is for your loved one to drink, you know, the easier it will be for your loved one to change. And it's uh, and communication is very important, and it's important to learn to actually talk to each other. You might have gotten in such a pattern of having automatic reactions every time, you know, the spouse, one spouse drinks, the other spouse, you know, reacts by bitching back, by, you know, and these knee-jerk reactions, uh, Communication styles, they're not communication styles. You don't actually talk. You don't actually get anything across to each other when you do these things. So developing communication skills is another important part of the CRAFT program. And uh, CRAFT, um, what the, the original point of CRAFT was to uh, get people engaged in treatment programs. But there are many different treatment programs, and there are many different ways to get involved. As uh, one way you can, you know, approach the problems is to get involved with our program, which is AMS, which is harm reduction based. Um, you can join a moderation program. You can join another support group that is for, you know, abstinence from alcohol, like Smart Recovery or Life Ring or SOS. There are many support groups. There's even AA if you want a uh, religion-based support group that uh, is going to be all about God. Some people, but a lot of people come to our program aren't so interested in that. They've already seen that. And they're looking for something different. Um, but there are many things to do, you know, and even getting books, getting good books, and doing bibliotherapy. Many 
The research shows that self-recovery is actually far more common than recovery through a rehab program or through Alcoholics Anonymous. About 56% uh, of people who are alcohol dependent will actually recover on their own without AA or a formal treatment program. That's according to the National Institute on Alcoholism and Alcohol Abuse. Uh, data they published in, their, in uh, the NIAAA spectrum in 2009. Um, relapse prevention is another very important part of uh, your dealing with your spouse's drinking and with your spouse dealing with his or her drinking issues. You know, if your spouse chooses abstinence as a goal, then if they have a slip, if they do have one drink, it doesn't mean that they have to have a million drinks. I mean, these old-time slogans we have, like one drink means uh, one drunk, and one is too many and a thousand is never enough, these things just set people up to actually go on benders. And the other thing that happens, you know, we talked about the essence violation effect that's been discussed by Alan Marlette. You know, uh, when people have the one drink, they start feeling guilty miserable and unhappy with themselves and they feel so unhappy that they need to drown their misery by uh, engaging in more alcohol or drug abuse and you know this is another thing that feeds people going on to a bender and just uh, you know drinking or drug drugging until they're in a complete stupor and uh, it's very important for both the spouse and the person that's seeking to change their drinking to understand these relapse prevention strategies that, you know, one drink does not have to mean one drunk. Sometimes you maybe just drank by accident, maybe you just slipped up. You don't have to go on a bender just because you have one drink. Um, and you don't have to feel miserable, you know. It's not the end of the world. Just because you had the one piece of chocolate cake doesn't mean you have to eat the whole cake. Just because you got one cookie out of the cookie jar doesn't mean you have to finish every cookie in the jar. You can stop. You can say, okay, it was a mistake. If you have one bad day where you slept up and drank, you can start again, afresh, the next day. And these are uh, some of the important relapse prevention basics that are uh, very helpful in the craft program. Now, the craft program is very different from Al-Anon because um, if you're familiar with Al-Anon at all, it's a saying that you are powerless over your loved one's behaviors. And um, it's all about acceptance uh, that, you know, you can't change your loved one's behaviors, that nothing you can do will make your loved one change. And uh, this is not actually true. I mean, it is, acceptance is a very important Factor and it is also a very important part of the craft program because it is not guaranteed that what you do will always change your loved one's behaviors. Sometimes, I mean, some people will not change. They are unwilling to change, period. Um, a, a fairly large percent of people with alcohol dependence uh, have co-occurring antisocial personality disorder and uh, people with antisocial personality disorder just are very difficult to change. And um, I think the figures are maybe one person in three that has alcohol dependence has the co-occurring antisocial personality disorder. It's, it's fairly common. And, you know, this is what used to be called psychopath or sociopath. These are people that will just really, you know, 
lie and be entirely concerned about self-gratification. If you are unfortunate enough to be involved with someone like this, it's, it's not very likely that you will change their behavior. And perhaps the only option that you do have is to terminate the relationship and get out completely. You may have to go to a uh, woman's shelter or some other safe shelter area because, you know, especially if you're being threatened with violence, if you've uh, been hit before, if you've been beaten, or if your children have had violent acts perpetrated on them, you may just have to completely disengage and leave. This, these things do happen. We can't change everyone's behavior. But more people than not are amenable to change in their behavior. Um, it is important, you know, that we do, that we are accepting that we don't go crazy ourselves because our loved one doesn't change as quickly as we would like our loved one to change or in the ways that we would like our loved one to change. So um, it's important to learn some cognitive behavioral techniques to deal with our own emotions. Um, I'm very fond of an ancient Greco-Roman philosopher uh, named Epictetus. He wrote a book called The Handbook. And, you know, he says that there are things that are in our power and things that are not in our power. And the actions of other people are things that we never have absolute control of. But it is possible to control our own minds and our emotions and how we react to them. We can choose to go, you know, ballistic through the roof, say, I love one drank again. Oh, no, you drank again. I go ballistic. I go through the roof. I get myself all emotionally upset and crazy. And then I start screaming and yelling at my loved one and get my loved one all emotionally upset and crazy. And my loved one says, you know, I can't stand this. I'm going back out to the bar and drink some more. Um, instead of this, you know, we can choose to um, try to deal with our emotions. Our, our loved one drank again. We don't like it. It's not, some, it's not what we wanted to happen but we don't have to choose to go ballistic about it. We can choose to, uh, one of the good things that Kraft recommends as a possibility is to disengage. And uh, when you uh, disengage from your loved one and go elsewhere, you can have a chance to calm down and uh, think about things. I see our second guest is calling in right now. Our second guest of the evening is Craig Whaley from Life Ring. And I'm going to bring him on the air right now. Hello, Craig. Are you there? Yes, I am. How are you, Ken? I'm very good. I don't know what happened to my first guest. I just talked to him the other day, and I thought we had all the time straightened out. Uh, I've just been talking to myself after the last 25 minutes doing a monologue. So I'm going, to let, <laughs> I'm going to let you jump in here and tell us a little bit about Life Ring while I catch my breath a little bit. Okay. Uh, Life Ring Secular Recovery officially started about 10 years ago as a as a breakaway faction from uh, a secular organization of, for sobriety, a SOS, which is known in the alternative recovery field. It's, it started in San Francisco and still has most of its face-to-face -face meetings there, but has spread into uh, other areas as well. Sacramento, uh, Victoria, Canada has several meetings. Uh, we have a, a, a hot spot in uh, Dublin, Ireland, uh, and, and various other places around the, the country and around the world. Uh, we have an active online uh, support system. We are secular. We, we advocate complete abstinence from all drugs and alcohol, 
non-medically prescribed, and we uh, believe in self-help. We, we, all of our groups are have what we call conveners. To they're not leaders. They're people who've been fighting addiction and uh, have had some success and have decided to uh, pay back by by organizing a meeting and they keep things running, but they don't pretend to any special knowledge. Um, we we feel that the knowledge that people need, the power that they need is within them, and that uh, by meeting together with others just like them, they can, they, can, uh, they can find the path to abstinence. Okay, very good. What would you say are some of the major differences between Alcoholics Anonymous and Life Ring? Oh, well, there's a lot of differences. Um, uh, the similarities are that we're both abstinence-based and we both believe in the power of peer-to-peer support. But we, in Life Ring, we don't have steps, we don't have higher powers, we don't have sponsors. Uh, we, we don't make you feel that uh, you have to attend meetings for the rest of your life. Um, we believe, we, we, the most important difference is that we do not believe in powerlessness. We think that everybody has the power they need. It's a matter of summoning their resources, getting some support, and uh, and making the leap. But uh, we we don't accept the idea of powerlessness, and we don't accept the idea that uh, of, a, of a, a sort of faith healing approach to to this condition. So you don't think it, that it's necessary for God to come down from on high and heal each person. No, we don't. We we don't have anything against uh, people with religious beliefs, uh, and they're certainly welcome to them. And, and some people gain great comfort from it. But we don't think that's involved in the um, process of getting free of drugs and alcohol. Yes, I've met several people uh, in my experience that uh, they were religious people. They did belong to a church, and they said, "I can't go to AA because uh, the God that AA preaches is opposed to my Christian beliefs." Yeah, exactly. It's it's a it's a Protestant god from 1934 or whatever year it was, and it's uh, it's radically different from what many uh, practicing Christians believe in. So we leave we leave religion at the door. Uh, religion and politics are rarely discussed in our meetings. They're too divisive, and they're and they uh, they stir up arguments without without leading anywhere. So. While people are free to talk about almost anything at our meetings, we ask that they not talk about religion or politics. Do you have any books that you use? We do. Uh, the founding uh, uh, leader of, of Life Ring, Martin Nicholas, has written a number of books. He's got uh, uh, Empowering Your Sober Self is the newest one, and it explains the whole Life Ring approach. It's available in bookstores everywhere. Uh, we He also wrote uh, Recovery by Choice, a workbook, which is uh, very popular. It, it can be used by groups or it can be used by individuals. We sell that through the through our own uh, channels. So uh, if your listeners want to go to lifering.org, lifering one word dot org, they'll find that the, they can see it listed there. We also have a uh, a book called How Was Your Week that Marty wrote, uh, a, a convener's manual, so that our leaders have some. Our, our group leaders have some uh, sense of what they're supposed to do when they start a uh, start a group. Okay, tell us what a typical life ring meeting would be like. How would it proceed? Most of them are patterned on what we call "How was your week?" Uh, the, uh, an opening statement is read, a brief statement, uh, 
letting people know that they're they're all welcome here, and that uh, we, we, uh, again we we don't talk about religion or politics, and that uh, uh, about a ten second rundown of the life ring philosophy, and then we go around the room, and uh, each person talks for a few minutes about how their week was, how their week was related to sobriety, uh, and 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 what problems they had, and what uh, maybe what triumphs they had, and they might look ahead a little bit too, and. Uh, Talk about their sister-in-law's, the sister's wedding they're going to go to, and uh, and what the, the the what the problems with that might be, and we we have what we call crosstalk, in which somebody says is giving their check-in, and uh, somebody else will comment and say, "Boy, that happened to me too," uh, and this is what I did, uh, and and we encourage crosstalk. It, it's a very friendly, relaxed atmosphere. We don't. We don't go through the chair, or the, the convener is there to keep things moving and to make sure everybody gets a chance. But he's not, by any means, the the leader, the the teacher of the group. Uh, people learn by being able to be open and honest, and they learn by exchanging. Well, we talk about it as the sober part of our brain talking to the sober part of your brain, as opposed to the addicted part talking to the addict. Uh, when when two people are talking honestly and openly and uh, uh, with great freedom, they'll talk about their troubles. Yes, but they're, they're talking on a rational level. They're, they're talking as as people who want to be sober for the rest of their lives, uh, as opposed to whining and and making excuses and uh, living in denial and, and generally being in in the addicted part of your brain. The, the addict self that, that always has an excuse and, and never wants to quite make that final leap. We, 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 we discourage recitations of past exploits with, with alcohol or drugs, uh, drunkologues as they're called. We, we don't do that. We don't go back and, and explore the world of the addict. We, we want to explore the world of the sober self. Uh, we want to help people live in the sober self part of their of their brains and of their lives. Okay, so that would be very different from the AA meeting where you get the story of uh, my drunken degradation that goes on and on and on and finally is punctuated at the end with my salvation from the higher power. You don't go into the, the stories of the background. No, uh, virtually never. Uh, I've never actually been to an AA meeting, so I, I can't say, but I've certainly heard a lot about those stories, and a lot of people uh, tell about hearing those stories and wanting to drink. Uh, it's just it's a, a depressing, uh, scary way of approaching the problem. I, 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 for the life of me, I can't think why they do it that way, but, but they do. We're much more concerned with what's happening in your life right now. You know, what, what challenges do you have now? I mean, people who have been sober for a day or a week or a month, they need they need to tackle the problems that they've been putting off for how many ever many years, and they they need support for that, and we try to give it. If if they're having trouble with their marriages or trouble with their jobs or maybe trouble with the police, we we listen, we we sympathize, uh, we 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 share our own similar experiences. 
uh, we, we give advice, but only gently and without any obligation on the part of the person to accept the advice. Mostly, we want people to feel like they've been listened to. I think that's really excellent. Um, I see that our first guest, who uh, I thought was going to come in on the hour, has dialed in. Bob, uh, if you could wait around for a bit, I'm going to talk for a little more with uh, Craig Quayley here, and I will bring you on in a bit later. You're still off the air right now, but I know you can hear me talking. If that's okay, just hang on, and we'll bring you on in a little bit. And Okay, continue, Craig. We were talking about how Life Ring works. Um, and you share strategies, then, of things that you do to avoid alcohol? Yes, uh, on a very practical level. Um, you know, people are different. People have different uh, – we, we all share – the big, the big A in common, but our approaches to, to solving the problem are all going to be different, we believe. People have, our members try to, we urge them to construct their own program. Uh, it doesn't mean they have to write everything down, but they have to have a firm grasp in their head of what works for them, not what worked for somebody else. So when, as we're talking with each other, we, we share our own experiences and some things will, will, a person will think, oh, that's, that's, not something that I'm interested in, but other things will click, and then they'll say, boy, that's a great idea. Let me give you an example. A newly sober person is facing going to his sister's wedding, and he knows he's going to have to stand there among a bunch of drinking guests after the wedding, and he he, he, he thinks he can do it, but he, he's just not sure, and he uh, can't get out of the wedding, so what does he do? Well, we'll give him ideas. We'll, we'll tell him, always have a a glass in your hand with some soda or, or something in it so that nobody comes up and offers you a drink. Uh, uh, be, be a, only put, do it as much as you can. Try not to get overwhelmed. If it, if it gets real bad, leave. Uh, there'll be a variety of those types of suggestions, some of which will mean nothing to the person and some of which will, will click. And, and even another person in the room overhearing these remarks will be filing away this information the parts of it that, that, that appeal to them. Mm-hmm. I find this very, I went to quite a few AA meetings and they weren't working for me, but the other thing I saw at AA was we were told that we were powerless so that we couldn't have strategies. That would mean that we were powerful. We just had to give it up to be rescued by a higher power. And you know, I know, it, you know, in, in my case, uh, I'd have, I'd had a drinking problem for years, and it was getting worse, and I was finally facing needing help, and I had a bookstore, and I would get in used copies of the, the big book, and I would think, i gotta, I got to go to AA, and then I would look at the book, and I'd flip through it, and I'd, oh, ooh, <laughs> I just couldn't bring myself to do it, and then I ran across, uh, you know, this was be 1999, I was Googling for alternative recovery and uh, not finding anything. And then one day I, I stuck the word secular into the search terms, and that, that turned up Life Ring Secular Recovery. And I went to their website, and I just, it was the most amazing experience of my life to, to go there and read through this stuff and say, that's me, that's me. These people understand. There, there was no powerlessness. They said very clearly, you, you don't have to drink. You can quit. It, it's hard. It's simple, but it's hard, and we'll help you. And they did. I, I was in a small town where there were no meetings, but I, uh, I participated online. for. It still took a while. It just doesn't make it easy. Uh, but 
I knew immediately that I had found my home, my uh, my sober home. Okay, that sounds great. I'm going now. Uh, please stay with us, Craig. I'm going sure. to bring uh, Bob to uh, Myers, sure. who does craft, and maybe we can do a little bit of three-way conversation here. Maybe I'll sure. just kind of hide out in the weeds mostly. Okay, let me see. Can I get you on? Hello, Bob, are you there? Yes, I am. Hello, it's great to have you on the show. I don't know if there's a little confusion about when we were going to start, but I'm glad that you made it in. Um, you know, I, I want to apologize. I had a I had a problem with one of my dogs. They actually got got hurt, and so I I um, was running around. So I, I apologize, but I got on as quick as I could. Okay, I tried to summarize the craft approach while we were in the first 25 minutes. I I hope I did okay. Um, talk to us a little bit about craft. And uh, Craig Whaley from Life Spring is our other guest here, so uh, maybe you guys can talk a little bit too. But tell us a little bit about craft. Sure. Um, first of all, um, again, craft uh, is, is really something that came out of my heart. Um, I grew up in an alcoholic family, and my mother died at 45, and she never did see my father sober up. And if you ever watched the HBO addiction special that was put on, couple years ago there's a segment with craft on there and what what craft is all about is that there's so many people in the united states that have a a wife or a husband or a partner or a loved one or a son or a daughter who's using drugs or alcohol it just says leave me alone i don't need any help go away and for so many years in the united states there was only really two options there was al-anon which which is good they help people feel better but it, it doesn't get somebody into treatment. And then the second one was the Johnson Institute intervention, which I think is very cruel because you bring up all the bad stuff and you just berate him and you give him a hard time and you tell him how horrible he's been and, like, the guy's an idiot and doesn't know he's screwed up. So what Kraft does is it uses a motivational, uh, gentle uh, style of helping the family member, first of all, get his or herself together, let him know that it's not their problem, that they didn't create it, but they can impact on change. Um, and the reason we know that is because we know in alcohol and drug treatment that when you go into couples therapy, clients usually do better when they just, uh, instead of just going into individual. We also know that people have influence on one another. I can influence my children, I may influence my friends by talking to them about things, just like the gentleman was talking about before, giving them ideas and suggestions. And so what craft is all about is helping a family member who has someone living with them or is in contact with them and refuses to get help for drug or alcohol treatment. Um, We give them strategies. We help support them and help them figure out what strategies would work best for them. And craft is a gentle approach. And what I mean by that is we ask no one to do anything that they're not ready to do. They don't go home and change their lifestyle, you know, the first session. We we let them relax. We can make them comfortable. And what our studies have shown, and this is an evidence-based treatment, and what the evidence has shown and and our, our data, which was surprising to me, is that when a family member comes in, their depression is lowered, their anxiety level is lowered, um, their anger level is lowered, so all of a sudden this person starts to feel better, and their self-concept and their self-worth feel better, and they're starting to get stronger. Um, and so what happens then is we can help them start 
interacting differently with the drinker or the drug user. And so it's not this gigantic change overnight. It's not like a one-shot intervention. It's a process that you start doing things differently. And maybe, let's say, when someone comes in the home and they smell like marijuana or they've been drinking, instead of yelling and screaming and getting upset, you just go, you know, I can see, you know, that uh, you've been out and, uh, you know, that's cool, but, you know, I, I, it really hurts me. You know, taking their own responsibility, not blaming, but saying it hurts me to see you this way. So I think I'll go, you know, upstairs with the children and watch a, a DVD or whatever, you know. Just move out of there and basically walk away from that and not start any confrontational negative concept. And the opposite side of that is when someone comes home sober or they come home straight not smelling like they've been smoking dope, um, the individual would say, oh, it's so good to see you, you look so good, I love it when you come home like this, give them a big hug, a big kiss, whatever it might be, or the adolescent, you might say, let's go get a pizza. Now, that's just a part of it. That's a huge part of it. But I know it's not that simple. You know, I've been in the alcohol and drug treatment for 35 and a half years. This is my life. And Kraft came out of CRA, the Community Reinforcement Approach, that is an alcohol treatment that's been around since 1972. And so I've been doing this for a very, very long time. So the idea of coming up with a protocol that would help people like my mother, who I saw cry and go into rages and, and actually beat the hell out of myself and my brother and my sisters when she would get that way, um, to help those people uh, cope better and learn how to maybe come up with a different strategy to get that person in the treatment. And if you look at my website or if you look at the data, of these studies done by other people other than me, people in Oregon and people in Philadelphia, we get about 65 to 70 percent of the people in the treatment who say, I'll never go to treatment. Screw you. Leave me alone. I'm not going to treatment. I don't have a problem. And with this nice, gentle approach over a period of time, and typically it takes less than three months to get that person to actually come into treatment and get help for their substance abuse problem, and at the same time, we're treating the spouse, helping her learn strategies. Like one of the things we do is help them, again, identify what are triggers for their spouse or their son or their lover to use alcohol or drugs. And also, what are the reward systems? What do they get out of drinking? What do they get out of smoking marijuana? What are the positive things? Let's talk about those things. Because if they know what they're using it for, maybe to feel better, maybe to, to zone out and not have to worry uh, maybe to be able to relax, like I heard on the call, uh, on the talk, other call today, uh, an adolescent can, can talk to girls better. We might then come up with a strategy to help them deal with that in a different way. There's lots of different ways to deal with stress, as we all know. There's lots of different ways to, to deal with situations. So that, that's what we do with the CSO, the concerned family member, concerned significant other. And you know what's amazing about this is even after treatment, we followed some of these women for over a year, and typically they're a female. And even at the 12-month follow-up, we found that the depression levels and anxiety levels are continuing to go down even three months to six months after they left treatment. So that, that's an amazing statistic. So the whole idea about CRAFT is how can we get somebody into treatment that really doesn't want to go into treatment, um, using a process that doesn't belittle them, doesn't uh, confront them, doesn't judge them, but comes out of a place where I really love you and I would really like to spend the rest of my life with you, but it hurts me to see you again. I take responsibility. This hurts me. 
let's go to treatment so we can help one another get sober. And, and it's not like we're accusing anybody of anything. We just talk about how it is affecting the family, how it's affecting the individual person, and not coming at the drinker or the substance user in a, in a totally negative or any way a negative way because CRA and CRAFT are all based on positive rewards and motivational stuff. And, again, most of you that are in the field know Bill Miller. And Bill Miller worked on the hall for me for about 25 years, and there's a lot of cross-pollination between motivational interviewing and CRAFT. And, and CRAFT has been out there actually since about 1981 when I started the program in Illinois, but until I got it to the University of New Mexico and had the opportunity to get a grant funded by the National Institutes of Health, I was unable to actually prove or show people in the field that using this technique you can really actually change people's lives, get folks into treatment, and then get them into further treatment with the significant other and solve some problems. And that's what it's all about, is, is, is taking your time. You know, they got there uh, over maybe as many years. It's not going to take a week or two to fix, but let's, let's take our time. Let's, let's use our good strategies. Let's talk. Let's work this out. And the thing that's amazing is that the family member, the mother of that adolescent, the wife of that drinker, the, the, the spouse of that partner, they know so much information about how that person reacts how they live, what they, what they like, what they dislike. But yet they have this information, and they really don't know what to do with it, how to put okay. it together in a package. And see, that's where, that's where craft comes in, is to help them figure out how to take that information and basically work smarter and not work harder. Okay. I have a lot of people that approach me. Uh, we also do uh, an online significant others group for uh, people interested in harm reduction with their significant others. Lots of people approach me and they say, I don't want to be involved with Al-Anon because I don't like the God, the powerlessness, the steps. Um, so right. is this compatible with things like Life Ring, which our other guest uh, does? Oh, uh, absolutely. These- absolutely. Because what, what, what Kraft does is it lets people move at their own pace. It doesn't say you have to follow one principle or another. And, and absolutely, hey, there's data out there that shows. There have been studies done by a woman named Marcia Sansage Craig in Toronto years ago that did a study on controlled drinking. And what she found out is that people who came in to control their drinking, a lot of them ended up getting sober after a period of time because they, they found out that, geez, I can't do this. It's better when I get totally sober. And craft is the same way. We let people titrate down. We let people cut down. What we found out in our studies is that the people who came into our studies, the, the drinkers who came in on one of our studies, had reduced their drinking by 50% before they ever entered treatment of, because of what the spouse was doing. So I'm a big fan of harm reduction. I'm a, I'm a big fan of of lots of different uh, uh, programs other than Al-Anon. And, again, I'm not putting them down. You know, different strokes for different folks. But what we teach is empowerment. We don't teach people to be powerless. I like what the, the man was saying before, you know, I, I, I came on and, and started to talk. Is He was talking about the same kind of stuff. You know, everybody's different and different strokes. And so the idea about craft is let him come down or her come down at their ability to come down. The problem is with a lot of people is, that, is maybe they do want to quit, but they just don't know how to do it. They don't have the skills. They don't have the emotional skills. 
they don't have the practical skills, and they get, need to get in the treatment so they can be with a program or a therapist that can help them do that. Smart Recovery has craft groups running just like you do with harm reduction, and, and Smart Recovery is another program that lets people go at their own pace, and I'm a huge believer of that. What's the, what's the craft website up? Well, it's just my name. It's uh, Robert J. Myers, PhD.com. So if you just look up, actually you can type in craft intervention or Robert Myers or whatever, and then you'll find me. I pop up pretty quick. I get about 130 to 140 hits a day from uh, all over the world. Um, um, I've, I've done craft training in, in places like Finland. I just came back from Australia where I was working with folks trying to help the aborigines. I've done it in Ireland, I've done it in Germany, I've done it in Holland, I, you know, I've done it in South Africa. I mean, craft, people who read the data and look at the articles that have been published over the years, I'm retired now from university life, but because of my books and the articles, people continue to call me and I continue to do trainings all over the world. And there's a lot of good things you can pick up and read about craft. Uh, there's a nice, you can look, get the uh, HBO addiction special that was out it has 14 different parts. It won two Emmys. Um, I have a small 25-minute segment that talks about craft and actually shows an individual being treated, not by me, but a program that um, I helped set up in in, uh, in Massachusetts. So, you know, just Robert J. Myers, Ph.D., and type that in and hit the Google search or Bing, and uh, you'll find me. Okay. I know a lot of people are looking for alternatives and, you know, I really hope that craft and life ring continue to grow and get bigger because very often people say, you know, I want to get a craft therapist. I want to go to a life ring meeting, but I can't find anyone in my in my state. You know, what can I do? I say, well, try try you know, online interaction. Do you do any online craft? You said Smart Recovery does. I know uh, Smart do. Recovery has a, a group they call Family and Friends that, that runs, and I'm, I'm a guest on there. I, I go on there probably two or three times a year to answer questions. I don't have specifically a site yet, but I'm working with the same group that was in the HBO special with me um, from Massachusetts, and we're trying to develop a site. Also, for any veteran out there, the, the, the Veterans Administration, uh, MyHealthyVet.com, if you are a veteran and, and can go to MyHealthyVet.com, I'm working with uh, Palo Alto right now to um, we're working on a, a craft project to, to go along with uh, the PTSD problems because a lot of the soldiers, sailors are coming back. And I, I'm a Vietnam veteran myself, and so I do a lot of work for veterans administrations, and I, I do it all gratis because uh, I think it's what we should do, that, uh, giving things back to our communities. And so the, the, we're really trying to work with veterans that are coming back that have substance use disorders and PTSD and trying to help them using craft and, and helping their family members um, it's, 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 we also wrote a manual on, on, on how to use craft with uh, veterans and their families that's also been published, um, and it's a free thing through the Veterans Administration um, that we use for any uh, alcohol or drug user that goes into treatment in many of the VAs. Uh, instead of having a regular family program, they use a craft program um, and try to help those, those family members learn how to help their veteran uh, keep, his, uh, keep his life together once he leaves treatment. Okay. I think, uh, I think all three of us can agree on the the need for much greater sense of choice and diversity in uh, in uh, in the whole recovery field. 
Absolutely, uh, absolutely. I see that uh, Stanton Peel is here. I'm going to bring him on the <laughs> air, and you two guys can stay on, and I'm going to let you and you two and Stanton talk to each other, and I'm going to lay back in the weeds here till the end. Hello, Stanton. Are you there? Yes. Hello, everybody. Hey, Bob. How are you? Hey, good. How you doing, Stanton? It's great Hello. to hear you. Would yeah, you hi. Thanks. How are you? Bob, would, good, you, good. would you say that you accept all goals? Would you call... It sounds like you would call uh, a craft a harm reduction program or s- compatible with harm reduction goals because you say oh. you want people to get greater control of their lives and that will lead them in a positive direction wherever it ends up. Is that a good summary? Well, absolutely. Absolutely. As a matter of fact, Stan, if you go to my website, one of my links is to uh, Rosen and Myers, which is a, a, a colleague in Holland. I have a actually a bit of a practice with my friend Hendrik Rosen in Holland, which, as you know, is kind of the, the capital of harm reduction, and they do a lot of craft work um, and CRA work also in, in Holland. And absolutely, I mean, come on. I mean, if somebody can – I mean, how many people have an occasional drink or actually take a toke of a, of a marijuana cigarette um, and have been doing it? I know college professors have been doing it for 40 years and still still go to work and don't have any problems. So – to me, harm reduction is just part of the addiction field that's been overlooked because AA and medical model had a stranglehold for so many years. Well, I just want to ask one little question. Craig, does, are you okay with what Bob just said? It, well, I, I got the impression that that wasn't com- no, it, life brings compatible with abstinence. We, 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 we think that uh, our experience is that uh, people are often um, misguided to think that they can moderate, that uh, it often just doesn't work. Uh, you know, no problem with people learning that on their own uh, through, through uh, by by trying it. But uh, in our groups, we we uh, very much push uh, complete abstinence. Well, I find that uh, in our harm reduction program, uh, quite a few of our people do choose complete abstinence as their best goal, and some will like to stick around with our harm reduction support group. Some will want to hang out with people who are abstaining completely. So uh, they want to hang out with something like LifeRing or SMART or SOS, where they can talk to people in the same boat because they found that quitting completely was their best choice. Yes, that's good to know. I, I, I see your point. But I think it's it's important to draw a distinction where a distinction exists. I, I mean, I do think... Uh, Bob and Lifering are saying two different things, and they're things that have consequences. I mean, uh, Bob's concept is people can either benefit by reducing, that's what he just said, or what you just said is they can work their way through to abstinence, but each of those things is uh, is a possible improvement. And Craig doesn't accept that approach. Is that is that a fair summary? I, I don't want to, I'm just, I want I, I, it's great that there are alternatives, yeah, and, it, it, but I mean, we have approach. to recognize differences that are important. Yeah, it, it's not our approach. We, uh, the, the, my own experience has been that uh, that uh, I couldn't drink. It was either an on-off. It was an on-off switch for me, not a uh, not a rheostat. And uh, most of our members find that. And and often when they when they decide that they're going to try moderation, they come back a a, a day or a week or what's your reaction? Several years that, later, Bob? and they're they're a mess. What do you say about that? Yeah, um, Stan's just asking for my opinion, and, and you know, uh, you know, I, I think uh, uh, I agree and I don't agree. I, I think there are some people that have a trouble 
to have trouble staying uh, sober or stop uh, using the dope and to have a hard time, and maybe they, they should stay sober. And there's other people that that uh, have trouble and they quit. Let me let me tell you, um, I was in Vietnam, and, and, and to be honest with you guys, I probably shouldn't be saying this on the radio, but I smoke marijuana. I mean, come on, for Christ's sake. No! Everybody over there, yeah, everybody over there got high. But let me tell you, we all came back to the United States. Some guys stopped. And some guys didn't. And so the idea for me that, that somebody can't stop, I quit because I just said this doesn't serve me well, okay? This isn't helping my life. So I stopped, and, uh, you know, I haven't done it now since... But isn't it inherent, let me just follow up, Bob, isn't it inherent to a motivational approach and to a empowerment approach to allow people to designate their own goals and to fine-tune them as they choose? Isn't that a fairly essential aspect of motivational approaches and yes and even yeah, your approach yeah. sure sure well, absolutely uh, you know with, with i mean we're not going to tell people we're not going to tell people to become controlled drinkers or reduce their drinking that's not our no. job we're not god we're there no. to speak with them in a constructive way about what they want to do and how to improve their lives i'm sorry right. go ahead yeah well the, i Craig? agree with you stan i mean people come into treatment and basically, we give, as you know, what's called a happiness scale. We let them fill them out, and we let them plan their treatment. You know, what do you want to work on? How do you want to work on it? And then, you know, what happens is a lot of people will pick categories other than drinking or substance use, and they'll fix their marriage or they'll do something with their job or learn how to cope with a death or whatever it is. And then all of a sudden, drinking isn't that big of a deal anymore. But with other people... You know, the drinking is part of that, and so it's up to the client whether they want to be abstinent or they can handle abstinence or they can't. And, and it's not for me to, to choose. I never tell anybody, you have to do this. It's just it's not in me because... And, and that's a very, it. it's not in you. And, it, Craig, you talk, you, one thing that you and Bob agreed on is empowering people. That's a pretty fair that's summary. Right. But... But yet, when people come to you and they say, well, I don't know that I need to abstain or I want to abstain, you tell them that's not their choice to make, at least that they're going to work with you. That's, is, that, is that consistent with an empowerment model? In my model? experience, people don't, don't come to us with that in mind. They come to us because they're in pretty desperate shape, and they have been unable to quit or, uh, or unwilling, call it what you want, and they want help with quitting. We don't have to convince people... We don't do anything to convince people of the of the hazards of drinking or, or using. Uh, they know that themselves. I'm well, mm-hmm. uh, You know, it sounds like it, it sounds like people have made a choice when they come to your group that that yeah. that's their goal. And I yeah, think that's I think fine. That's then, if they if they go to your group because they know abstinence is the way to go, I think that's cool. I think that's the way it should be. But again, I, I agree with Stanton uh, at least on the topic of. We need to have alternatives because everybody's not the same, and some people do continue to use a little bit and not get into trouble. And oh, so I think that, that we have alternatives and we empower them. I, I, I think that um, I think that's fine. I think it's a, you you're know, aware of the NISARC data. Right? You're aware of the NISARC data, Bob, that that shows that quite a large number of people who are ever diagnosed as alcohol dependent do moderate their drinking. Perhaps close to a majority of people who recover. Are you, have you been tuned into that at all? The uh, alcoholism yeah, is what yeah. it used to be. Yeah, I know. And I, I was talking a little bit about some of uh, uh, Martha Sanchez Craig's data. You know, that controlled yes. drinking, and then the people in controlled drinking decided to quit. And 
you know, it's, you know, but to me, it's, it's. It, I agree with with all of that, and that's why I have to be flexible. And what I might do with some clients, and sometimes if I'm doing this alcohol treatment with community reinforcement, is we have what we call sobriety sampling, and we did this back in the '70s. And sobriety sampling is harm reduction. Let's try to right. cut back for a week and see what happens. Let's try to not drink for three days and see what happens. And so we give them the opportunity, and we say, what would you like to do? It's sort of like motivational living. What, what do you want to choose? Right. You're drinking a six-pack a day or a three a day. And try that for a week and see how it goes, you know. And Well, and, well the reason I feel that's so important, I have a post in Huffington Post that came out today, and it's the future of addiction treatment and the future of addiction. I just we're not going to get everybody to abstain in the United States who ever encounters a substance problem. It's, it's not going to happen. We've tried it for decades and centuries and it, it isn't going to happen. We need a, and that's why this is harm reduction radio because we recognize in that great big world out there that we have to offer a panoply of services to bring in as many people as possible and to offer them as many ways as they can improve their life as possible. That that's Absolutely. I think I think a fundamental, and I think that's going to be a shift. And and I'd say we've already seen a little bit of a shift away from the abstinence fixation to the extent that harm. To, well, you yourself, Bob, what you're doing, they would have hung yep. you out to dry. Well, they might have yep. hung you out to dry in the '70s, actually, to tell you the truth. But anyhow, <laughs> now they're less likely to. Do, do you feel there's a greater receptivity now to a little bit? Oh, this is what I tell people. If you look at my website, you see where I go. I go to Europe a lot. I'm going. I've been once uh, Australia this year, once Ireland. I'm going back again to Europe again later in the year. And what I find is everywhere else in the world, everywhere else in the world, believe in harm reduction except the United States. There is no medical model. We have an absolute fixation. You know, they they just they say, hey, what do you want to stop? What do you want to do? How do you want to handle it? And so I love going to Europe because. You don't have to have somebody in the crowd stand up and scream at you and say, you know, what are you talking about? You got to stay sober. You got to go to this. You got to do that. And um, you know, Bill Miller and I talk about those things. We've been getting harassed for you know 35 years. I'm sure Stan has been ha- harassed many times. But the once deal is once or twice, Bob. Yeah, once or twice. <laughs> but the deal here is, is what Stan says is true. Everybody's not going to quit. They don't. And so if we could teach them how to maybe live a better life, empower them to change their life, but yet still consume a little alcohol or smoke a little dope. You know, if that's what they want to do and they can handle it and function, fine. Now, if somebody comes to me and they're using and they get DWIs or they get in trouble, they get in an accident, I'm going to say, do you think this is good for you? you think this is going to help? What would you like to change about this? And if they choose sobriety, I'm going to help them stay sober. That's my job. But they have to make I only have one criticism of what you just said. I wish you wouldn't use the word sobriety to refer to abstinence. Abstinence is one form of sobriety. Okay. I know Ken is having a conniption over there because we're going over with this fascinating discussion. (laughs) And they're going to kick him out of his uh, whatever the hell he's in. Ken, do you want to shut us down now? Okay, I'll shut you down. I'm not sure if we're still in the grace period on the software, if we're still recording or not. But next week, our guest will be Jim Christopher from SOS and Andrew Tatarski, who does harm reduction psychotherapy in New York City. Thank you, everyone, and good night. Thank you. (laughs) Good night, everybody. Thanks, guys. Good night. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> 